Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. Continuing our coverage on the crisis in Eastern Europe, though specifically we'll be focusing on the impacts to emerging markets. We're glad to have with us this morning Alejo Zerwanko, Chief Investment Officer for Emerging Markets Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Alejo, I know our topic today uh, will be covering the Russia invasion of Ukraine. We'll be speaking specifically to the impact being felt within the emerging markets. So first off, Alejo, a welcome back and thank you for spending some time with our clients and our listeners today. Thank you for having me, Dan. It's always great to be here. Alejo, tragically, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, it has just entered its third week. So to set the stage, can you get us up to speed on what the status of the conflict is? Absolutely, Dan. Let me start by saying that we are witnessing a very severe humanitarian crisis on the back of of this uh, war. We have millions of refugees um, going from Ukraine to neighboring countries, families in in distress, not knowing exactly what the future will bring just a few hours from now. And so in this this context, we're going to be talking about, of course, the growth outlook, the investment outlook, but I don't want to uh, I want to be mindful that uh, this is impacting r- real life very severely. And I want to remind listeners that UBS has an initiative in place through the in-house Optimus Foundation. There is a Ukraine relief, humanitarian relief fund that is available uh, for contribution and UBS will be matching uh, contributions. So if, if, if you're interested, please do reach out and we'll, we'll make sure we get you in touch with the right people people here. Uh, but then to, to your question, we're facing a severe military conflict. This is the largest invasion uh, in Europe uh, since 1939. There is no easy way out to this conflict. In most scenarios, it will likely get worse before it gets better. And uh, we think it's more likely than not that we'll be facing a protracted conflict in that part of the world, one that is altering the geopolitical matrix of uh, the world as, as we know it. So pretty significant, not only from, from a humanitarian standpoint, but also from a geopolitical, and as I'm sure we'll discuss in a few minutes, uh, economic and, and financial markets uh, standpoint. Well, Alejo, thank you very much for highlighting the work our UBS Optimus Foundation is doing to support Ukraine. But I will point out for our clients, uh, please be sure to reach out to your financial advisor if you would like to learn more on how to contribute. Though, as you pointed out, Alejo, the humanitarian aspect, uh, that's first and foremost. That's the chief concern, though. Uh, there is an economic side to this story, and we've been closely tracking how this war has been impacting the global economy. So what does it all mean, Alejo, for global growth and inflation outlook, in particular for the emerging markets? It's interesting, Dan, by looking at the size of the Russian economy or the size of the Ukrainian economy, one might be tempted to conclude that this war might not be as relevant for uh, the rest of the world. After all, the Russian economy makes up just 1.75% of the global economy. The Ukrainian economic activity makes up less than a quarter of a percentage point of global economic activity. So putting it all together, less than 2% of global GDP, ergo maybe not as relevant. 
Now, the challenge with this thesis, Dan, has to do that there is one quite significant channel of contagion of what's going on to the rest of the world, and that is the price and the flow of commodities, raw materials, because these two countries are big players in this space. Russia uh, produces 15% of uh, global gas, 12% of global oil, 10% of gold, and 40% of palladium. When you put Russia and Ukraine together, they export 30% of global wheat, 15% of global corn. And interestingly, when you combine Russia, Ukraine, and Belarus, these are huge players in the global fertilizer market. And so in the context of this, of this war, of this crisis, the Western alliance, let's call it, has been imposing quite severe sanctions on, on Russia. Uh, and uh, there is the expectation of possibly more sanctions coming in line that is in turn influencing the private sector, private companies to in many ways start self-sanctioning themselves, self-constraining their willingness, ability, interest in operating in, in, in that part of the world. So as a result, then, what we're seeing is that the pricing of commodities and the flow of commodities is being disrupted. And, um, you know, just to put things in, in perspective, we've seen a 30% increase in global commodity prices year to date, with some sub-segments of the commodities uh, space experiencing over 50% increases in prices when you look at oil, palladium, or wheat. What does this all mean for the global economy? I think, um, you know, there's no sugar coating. This will translate into overall lower growth and overall higher inflation. Now, the impact is not going to be uniform. Uh, there is going to be a more nuanced uh, situation. When you think about Europe per se, this is undoubtedly the most exposed region to the conflict and the economic activity impact is likely to be more severe for uh, Western Europe. Focusing on the emerging markets, on the other hand, I think there are a number of reasons why emerging market growth will remain relatively more resilient, but we will likely see a higher inflation impact in uh, the, the emerging markets. When you think about food, energy, these are items that make up a larger proportion of consumption baskets in the emerging markets in less developed countries. And therefore, uh, we will likely see significant inflationary pressures trickling through the, the emerging world. Central bank and emerging markets being forced to hike interest rates even further. Many emerging market central banks have been leaders in tightening monetary policy since early 20. 21 going into this year, and uh, the, the tightening cycle will likely be extended as a result of, of, of this, of this uh, crisis, right? And even within the emerging markets, the view has to be more nuanced than uh, Latin America, interestingly, is a region that is relatively more insulated from the direct impact of this crisis, and even indirectly through 
higher commodity prices might, at the margin, be uh, a bit a bit uh, benefit. Uh, emerging Asia, on the other hand, we're talking about countries that are net importers of commodities. The impact there might be a, a bit more a bit more pronounced. So, um, Dan, to put it put it all into into perspective, uh, this war is having a global impact. The key channel to monitor is pricing and flow of commodities. As a result, activity is going to be lower, inflation is going to be higher, but it is quite important to look under the hood and make distinctions across countries in this context. Interesting to hear about some of the nuances as it pertains to the economic impacts being felt across emerging markets. And to your point, Alejo, a lot of fluidity when it comes to the broader economic impact across regions, across the globe, various sectors as well. So as we begin to close out, Alejo, maybe we can touch on the investment implications of this crisis. What are you recommending that investors do right now? Absolutely. So Look, we've, we've run uh, quite a bit of, of analysis uh, trying to see how historical geopolitical shocks of similar nature did to the global economy, did to asset prices, right? And we've, conclu- we've concluded that history is full of uh, ge- geopolitical shocks. And it's been extremely rare uh, that those geopolitical shocks led to a global recession. And we think this case is no exception with the information we have today. Uh, it's also extremely rare that these geopolitical shocks have a lasting impact on asset prices. And therefore, the first set of conclusions then pertain to strategic investments, the strategic asset allocation, the medium to long term. In that regard, we, we think the best thing you can do in this context is to stay invested according to a, a plan. It's very important to diversify geographically, and here the emerging markets uh, play, play a, a, a good role. Uh, and it might not be a bad time to put some cash to work, right? We're talking about uh, a scenario in which inflationary pressures will be more persistent than initially expected. Uh, you know, cash will... Uh, lose purchasing power with high probability in, in coming quarters and coming years. And therefore, uh, you know, you've you got to put the money to work in, in, in quote unquote real assets that can help you protect, uh, uh, you know, portfolios and make them grow in, in real terms. Uh, so going back to the, the emerging markets, it's interesting the, the expected returns that we have 12 months out for emerging market equities, emerging market fixed income. Uh, have improved uh, when, 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 you know, from where we stand right now. This is particularly true for emerging market fixed, fixed income. It's been badly hit in part because of its exposure to Ukrainian and Russian bonds. Uh, the decision by index providers made over the last few hours even in terms of kicking out Russia from global indices uh, is, is an interesting one to take into consideration. Emerging market assets will no longer have by and large, exposure to, to Russia. And so when you look 6 to 12 months out, uh, returns are approaching the double-digit territory, both equities and fixed income, uh, and, and we continue to think they, they should be part of, of a globally diversified portfolio. Now, tactically, then, thinking maybe three to six months out, we need to recognize that visibility is extremely low, 
there is a wide range of possible outcomes ahead of us. I think we should we should expect a challenging investment environment in this shorter uh, horizon. Uh, and for that reason, as you're aware, we have adjusted our tactical investment recommendations recently. We are now um, um, removed the, the global equity exposure from most preferred to, to neutral. In view of this wider range of, of possible outcomes, we continue to recommend that Investors protect hedge portfolios with exposure to commodities, with exposure to to energy stocks, and uh, there are some opportunities in the American in the emerging markets to to find some less correlated returns or uh, return stream of returns that are less impacted by what's going on in in in, in Russia. For instance, a, a number of uh, Latin American bonds look, look relatively attractive in, in this context. Well, Alejo, thank you very much for the guidance on the positioning front and for dropping by top of the morning today to speak about the Russia invasion of Ukraine in context to the impact being felt across emerging markets. And again, I will point out, as Alejo spotlighted for us at the top of our conversation, for our clients listening in, please be sure to reach out to your financial advisor to learn more about the work being done by the UBS Optimus Foundation to support Ukraine and how you can contribute. Alejo, thank you again for your insights and looking forward to picking back up with our emerging markets conversation again soon. Anytime, Dan. Thanks again for having me. And again, today we've been joined by Alejo Zerwanko, Chief Investment Officer for Emerging Markets Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. A Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.